The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. It's got to the short side. Oh, it's Before, but I'm the referee on this team, not you. Hi Rob, Zeebs here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Oh, and Ringrose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ringrose. Ringrose is going here. What a score! You're very welcome to the Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. Before we start today's show, we have some big news. The Hard Yards will now be coming out on Mondays instead of Thursdays. So we'll be back with you in four days' time, just four days, to look over the events in Paris. Make sure to check out the show this Monday, not Thursday, Monday. I'm joined in the studio by the always ready Pat McCarry. Yes, good how morning. Are you? Good. And Mr. Jimmy Downey. Andy, how are you? I'm well. And uh, we're joined on the line by Ian Attack Coach Mike Prendergast. Hello, Mike. Morning, Andy. You good, good. That's a bit of a delay here on the line to France. <laughs> Sorry, he's probably confused by your pronunciation of Oyana. Oyana? Yeah. Are you giving out for me my French? Uh, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm just wondering my club Prendy is gone to. <laughs> put me I'm right. trying to figure it out myself. Oh, that put, was a... put me right, Mike, will you? <laughs> Oyana, 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 right. Oh, no one. Do, you pronu- do you pronounce the X actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pronounce the X, do you? Some do, some don't. No, Oyana is correct. Oyana is correct. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Jimmy. Here for you. You were, you, you were, you were in higher French, were you? Yeah, men brothers. Well. <laughs> um, coming up later in the show, we also have some words from Will Greenwood and Gary Ringrose. Uh, he's in a little injury break there. Hope to see him back soon. Uh, firstly, fresh off the presses, Les Kiss is now no longer part of the Ulster setup. Is that something we expected, uh, or did we expect him to see out at least the season, Pat? I'm almost amazed that he made it so long because he's under fire and in doubt for, for ages. And that's nothing against him, really. It's just he never really seems settled on, up there and there was a lot of kind of uh, rifts going on it seemed behind the camp and then the minute John O'Gibbs and stuff came in I thought the writing was on the wall that if anything went wrong he'd be the first to walk so um, so that's it, it, it I was saying it's almost going to get buried now by the Six Nations uh, good that we have this morning to talk about it uh, but I don't think getting replacing Kiss is going to fix everything up at that, up, up that province so um not surprised at all to me. What about, what about you, James? Yeah, yeah. We were talking about it beforehand. I just... Writing's on the wall when you start to lose a few games. I think we'd spoken about if um, they were waiting for them for the nearly the exit from mm. Europe to actually pull the trigger on it. But it's covering over the cracks a little bit. I think they need to kind of regroup again. Um, I agree with when John O'Gibbs comes in, you're kind of questioning. Do you question your own role? Um, but... I don't know. There's a lot. There's been a lot of up, up, upheaval up there, isn't there? And the players are like. It's going to be interesting to see if players come out now and start speaking about it. But mm. probably won't. They'll probably close ranks. But um, yeah, look, you could always see it's coming. It's one of those things. It's a results business nowadays. Uh, it's a business. People can't forget that. And will it impact the season? I'd say now it's nearly a carte blanche for the rest of the season. So um, people won't have any expectation. Um, they can group together it can bring a bit of solidarity together and a bit of unity in terms of right let's get in this we're in a bit of a dogfight regroup go again finish out the season no focus bar Pro 14 so yeah and they need to keep focused because they're they're only a little sliver ahead of Edinburgh and uh, you don't want to be slipping into that sort of the playoff situation you want to be qualifying for the Champions Cup properly no messing around but it's going to I think as well like 
you're trying to think of who who's going to come in. Like I know Jono's the obvious one there, but mm. but is that the answer? They've got Dwayne Peel there and Aaron Dundon there, and um, is that the answer? I know Prendy will know Aaron up there as well. So I don't know. I don't know who's going to be there. It's going to need someone with a strong backbone to deal with, deal with that. To be honest, I think it's uh, yeah a bit of turmoil at the moment. Um, people are commenting on it an awful lot but I do see they, they might be okay I think come the end of the season but, but just it's just a regrouping again it's it's unfortunate you thought I think when people spoke at the start of the year when Jono was coming in and I was one of them I thought it'd be a, a great signing for them mm. considering what he'd done at Leinster mm. um, does he need a bit more time I don't know um, but Hmm. He's a popular figure, Kiss. I mean, he's yeah. he's, a, he's yeah. a very nice fella. He's obviously, if you look back to his record in Irish rugby, defence coach for the John Grand Slam team, defence coach for another two uh, championships under Smith before he went full time with Ulster. Uh, so there'd be a lot of people who are sorry, who'd be sorry to leave the Irish system. Um, is it is it the way you can keep him around in some capacity to get to get the knowledge if perhaps the director of rugby role hasn't suited him? And I think that's it. Nail in the head there. Again, spoke with Pat about it. And some coaches, like uh, Les coached me now, and he was, when he was, uh, he had a head coach in Ireland then when I was involved in the setup. And it's a different job to go from being an assistant or being a defensive coach or a specific area into a head coach it's a, or a director of rugby. It's a big change, you know, and some people are made for it. Um, it's like, I know you've spoken about captaincy before. It's like that. Some people are made for it, I think. Um, same with that. Some people are good at man managing DORs. Some people are great coaches, hands on, and that's what makes them shine. Like you know, you look at Di Young, say it was, who is a DOR, not so much hands on coaching, but he controls it and he's very, very good at that. And that's what he he knows that, and he surrounds himself then with the right people. Um, Mike, French rugby has gone through its own little bit of uh, coaching upheaval recently. Um, do you want to bring listeners up to speed on where we are? Guinovez is gone, Jack Brunel is in, but that's that's not the only thing going on over there. Yeah, um, there was there was a big change after after November. Obviously, there was a there was a goal for Guinovez. Um, he didn't reach it in November, but. You know, I think um, I think Laporte and, and Nova's relationship was never uh, was never one too too strong. So, I think Laporte wanted change. Um, they obviously brought in Jacques Brunel, and the thing with, with that is they brought him in as a head coach. They hadn't really decided on their, their assistant coaches, so they spoke to a couple of, of club coaches, which would include uh, Galtier, Azema, Frank Azema from uh, from Clermont. Um, Mignoni at, at Leon and Patrice Galazzo um, and obviously they were still under contract till some of them are contract till 2020 2021 um, I suppose you look at them they're all head coaches um, maybe when the time does come that they'd prefer to go in uh, as the main man you know so I suppose what they did is they, they, the French Federation had a, had a think about it had a look around and Actually, they brought in um, El Assad, who was, who was two weeks previously announced as the as the under 18s coach. So he was actually he's contracted by the FFR. He was let go by by Toulouse a uh, season and a half ago. So he was available there there and then. Um, Sebastian Bruno is coming in as scrum coach. Um, he's into he's he was into his third year, two and a half seasons in with Leon, um, and working under Mignoni. So Mignoni was was was. To, to to release and to go to the national team, and uh, and Julian Bonaire has gone in as their as their lineout coach. It, it's his first job, um, going into I suppose 
Um, I suppose the pressure of international rugby, it's a, it's a huge ask, albeit he is a very level-headed, um, very good line-out operator himself. And supposedly, by all accounts, ran a very good line. I actually played with him a number of years ago in Bourguin, and um, even back then, he was just—he was a very smart player. But you know, it's, it's completely different when you're, I suppose, calling the line out, and then you're you're presenting them effectively as a, as a coach, you know. Um, and they brought in two other coaches along with them, who was who were contracted with the federation as well. They're bringing them in part time, which is Philip Ducey, who I worked with in, in Grenoble. He's brought in as a kicking coach and. Um, Jean-Marc uh, Beverad, he's a, he's actually a, a coaching coordinator, an educator with the FF, FFR, and he's going in as the defence coach. So uh, yeah, so it's 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 um, it's a strange one. It's Brunel has obviously gone in with his with his experience. He was obviously with with uh, Bordeaux. Um, Bordeaux were were willing to leave him out of his contract. They had quite a strong coaching. Um, ticket there already with Jeremy Davison there, Joe Worsley, and um, and uh, Rory Teague there who took over as head coach. So Brunel is coming in with, you know, a lot of experience. Five years with Italy, and um, he was seven years as a forwards coach with, with France um, back in the early 2000s, and and then obviously won a top 14 title with with um, with Perpignan back in 2009. So he has a lot of experience. Um, Again, just touching on what Jimmy said there, and it was an interesting one just with, with, with Les and with Dai Young, for example. Dai Young was a DOR, wasn't somewhere by the sounds of, of Jimmy, what he was saying is he wasn't a hands on coach like, I suppose, Les was a hands on defensive coach. To be a head coach or director of rugby, there's a huge, there's so much in it with recruitment, with dealing with players, and the coach on top of that is a, is a big ask. And I suppose when you look at Brunel, he's, he's kind of a director of rugby type. Um, manager they're called over here he's not a huge hands-on coach he's he's not he's on the pitch but he's not you know he's not involved in attack he's not involved in defence he's more over, overseeing um, and I suppose keeping that that coaching ticket together and, and, and aligned and, and that communication going you know so um, it's an interesting one because you have him there at the, at the, at the head and then um, I suppose you look at the, the other coaches from an experience point of view from an international point of view, there hasn't, there isn't too much experience there, you know. So, um, but there is from his point of view. But it'll be interesting how it how it how it develops. So the, I mean, Jalibert would be. He's, he's still this one thing I didn't mention that Jalibert's just turned nineteen. He's crazy young. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Jackson had a column there, and there will be paper this week where he was digging through what other teenagers have played in uh, the Six Nations and the last teenage fly half was Billy McComb for Ireland in Paris January 1968 <laughs> that's playing for any team in the five or six nations so this is what Jalibert would do if Bruno picks him um, but is this when, when you see a player as a human highlight reel uh, Jimmy um, what is this something which Ireland would actually lap up like they're an experienced side they're a well-drilled time is this who they want to see France pick? I think so yeah of course you want to you want to take someone when they're on a debut really get into them look he's great going forward they're going to test them out in other ways and I think they have a lot across the board um, in terms of what they're like they've ki- a lot of kickers there they were running running 10 as well it, it does seem like a good balance but like from my point of view what's the 
I'm kind of turning this on Premier mm. now. But what's the expectation over in France? There seems to be a lot of upheaval in terms of Laporte and Brunel, the coach together. I think Brunel was part of Laporte's coaching um, set up back in the day. So you're bringing in Alassal, Bruno, Bonaire. That's that's big upheaval. Like, is there expectation in the French public, or is it look you've a bit of a carte blanche for the Six Nations and we go again, or? What is it? How, how's it look? Yeah, I think more carte blanche for, for the Six Nations. Trying, you know, I suppose find a balance as well. You know, we we mentioned about mentioned about Mashnero and Jalibert. It's something that you look back over the last number of years, even through through Saint Andre, through Livermore, they couldn't find uh, and Novich, they couldn't find a settled halfback pairing. You know, so that's something I think if Morgan Parra was fit, I think Morgan would play nine, and um, yeah. for sure. Um, so that's something that they, they've got to look at as well but if you're looking at expectations I don't think there's a huge amount at the moment but that makes them a dangerous animal as well because the French as you know they'll play in emotion they'll come out of the blocks no doubt whether they can last with Ireland I don't know personally even though they have a bit of a bench as well to you know you've, as I mentioned Dupont is a very very good running nine um, and Bello is a young guy as well who's playing with Toulon 21 kind of a bit more of a settled tend than Jellybird but Jellybird can 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 I suppose do something more off the cuff and it's it's that's where I kind of I like the balance in a way where they've, they've they've picked their settled players in Mash and Row and even the middle midfield you look at Lamara and it's either going to be probably Dumara or Chavancy Chavancy there's all talks that, that he'll play as well because he brings that little bit of a kicking in so it's quite you know they're good experienced players that will, will help Jellybar around him um, and, and hope that he can create you know, uh, I suppose a bit of magic and, and, and play on the line and, and be a threat that he will bring. He has football ability, he has that passing ability. So uh so from a point of view, Jimmy, what you're asking is there is there pressure or is there expectation? I suppose there's always expectation, but I, I think the French when they're like this can be a small bit dangerous. As you said, it's a new coaching staff. They haven't had a huge time together um as a group, so it's, it's a bit of an unknown but I, I think they will come out of the blocks um, whether they last I, I, I don't believe they will I think Ireland will, will finish the game stronger what I, what I kind of think one of the things about Jalabert, um to look out for is when Ireland played Argentina they went after Sanchez they're, they're number 10 and Bundiaki was used to kind of drive him at angles out of the way and make gaps up the middle so just keep an eye for it like I don't think Ireland are going to be looking to knock Jalabert out but I think they are going to be looking to get him to yeah. do these soak tackles so he can make these gaps so keep an eye out for that one I'd say at the weekend I, I'd agree and I think what they'll do is they'll stand they'll stand Lamarat at 12 they'll stand him a small bit closer just to give that protection as well and as you said that does exploit a bit more space then on uh, on the outside you know it's a good point I was looking back through um, cause there's, there's always a, that's a, excuse me the historical thing about going to play France in Paris it's always been there and Ireland are six point favourites this week so Ireland should be waltzing in there going yeah we're grand Uh France have lost um, or at least haven't won in seven games but even if you look at their home Six Nations games over the last three years they're winning by one point by two points mm-hmm. you know it's it, it's really weird to look at this this is a French side which if you go back over a number of seasons is just not performing so uh, Jimmy is there still a thing about playing France in Paris no matter what the form says and no matter what the bookies say I think so there is that element of things but for once you have to be confident that Ireland are going to be extremely comfortable with the the favourites tag and they have to be and I expect like people expect them to win I wouldn't be 
as worried as I was before. Like one of the times was uh, O'Driscoll obviously got his hat trick, wasn't it? Or mm-hmm. and that was they've beaten him twice, maybe in how many years? God but knows. Then the last time Ireland went over there, it was the French decided they were going to equalise some Ireland players you know the huge yeah. huge high hits on Kearney uh, Sexton was done Dave Kearney yeah Dave yeah. Kearney um, Mike so McCarthy. yeah the, the laws not the laws have changed but the treatment of anything that slides onto the head has changed since then but we you know these things can happen yeah but I I still think Ireland should win and expect them to win if not it's a disaster first game it's going to be like a couple of years ago when it was in the rain soaked Paris and um, perhaps maybe raining this weekend but I expect them to do the job like they have to do the job against such like if you're going to compete at the right end of things next year at World Cups you have to put French teams away over there this is what you have to deal with away from home put away the teams Mm. I think the thing I'd be happier about going into this game is that the Irish front row was stronger than two years ago and the reserve front row was stronger as well because that's where they won the game against us two years ago they just scrummed us off the pitch and put us under pressure so uh, Furlong's two years more experience you have McGrath you have Healy so, and then you've even got Cronin who we expect to be on the bench so um, yeah a, a lot happier about that and then every, everybody else isn't decent enough Nick and going into it so a bit more confident but then I, I keep remembering what happened last year against Scotland when they effed us up in the first game all those all those points all those players you mentioned as well you know just their past that you talk about you know form I suppose you look at the Irish teams over the last couple of months um, coming out of Europe and everything you know I, I'd imagine most of the team barring probably four would be made up of Leinster Munster players you know Leinster Munster have been um, very consistent this year so you've players just as you mentioned there coming coming into a game with a huge amount of form and, and even when you said about last year you know about Scottish game um, you know that's something that that would be very very uh, brought to the point I'm, I'm sure this week by, by Joe and, and Simon and the coaching staff there that you know um, all experiences and you look at that, you look at that Irish team at the moment and that Irish bench and some of the players that aren't, aren't able to make it from a quality point of view but from an experience and, and experiences are examples of, of losing in your first Six Nations game against Scotland away you know maybe you know, were they mentally prepared or, or whatever it may be, but I'm sure they won't make the mistake, you know. So um, you're looking at someone over there in constant, constant form, uh, guys on guys playing well at the moment, but also, I suppose, first game, they know it's Paris, they went to Scotland last year and, and came up short. So I'm sure that there is that, I suppose, added as well that, you know, you, your next three games are at home, so if, if you can go and get that win, uh, you can imagine the country just being home there last is, is on a high at the moment it's only going to grow and grow over the next couple of weeks and couple of months uh, as far as they're winning you know so they know that that huge opportunity could bring them through to and it's not looking too far ahead it's just we we have to be realistic we got to be confident now we're, we're an outstanding rugby team and uh, now is the time that we you know we really push on and, uh, and I think that opportunity is there but as I said it, it starts Saturday and I think to be learned a lot from even from last year you know Right so here's where you put your money on the table now so predictions for the Six Nations who's first and who's second and I'm going I'll go first here uh, so I'm going to say England are going to finish top with Ireland second uh, Pat I'm the same I, I think the same um, I, I kind of we were doing my predictions for the, the tournament and I kind of buried mine near the end of the story because I didn't want to upset too many people but I think England are going to edge it again no, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip that. I'm gonna go yeah. Ireland, England. Yeah. Okay, Mike. 
Yeah, I'm with Jimmy, Ireland and England. Well, the boy's not more than us, don't they? No, oh, yeah. obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, real, qu- real quick around the other two games this weekend, uh, Wales and Scotland. There's some interesting selections there. Uh, Wales, <sighs> the big question about Wales is, can Wales play like Scarlets? I hope it, they try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think... Uh, it's an interesting selection actually he's gone with he's gone on form you know he's gone on like Josh Adams making his debut hmm. he's gone on form he's he's lighting up the premiership scoring tries and the Scarlets are playing some great rugby aren't they very attractive rugby so he's got the players in place and, and fair play for all the Gatlin ball and everything that went on he's adjusted his game and he's he's changed it instead of going with a Jamie Roberts he's got Hadley Parks who brings a hell of a lot more and Scott Williams in there um, hopefully they can I think it, and Scotland they're a very open team as well actually with a bit of luck it'll be a bit of dry weather I don't know if it's going to be a closed roof or not do you no okay um, so uh, bodes well for both teams but Gregor Townsend been an extremely astute attacking coach it'll be hopefully uh, an open game I'm, I'm presuming that I'm expecting that yeah when we look at England against or the Italy against England uh, can't but remember the Fox from last season uh, Mike that's now Italy can't use that anymore because the new law change means that there's a rook even if there's one player over the ball but it was a great bit of innovation by Italy. Uh, do you reckon we'll see something else interesting this year to try and put England off their game? Um, I'm not too sure, really. It was it was, it was great thinking by by Conor O'Shea and his and his, and his staff, um, and it did it caught them it caught England, you know, nearly, nearly to the end. But um, you could see Eddie Jones. I remember watching uh, there was an interview even there recently about his afterwards and. Uh, he was fuming over it, so I'm sure they'll they'll look to to um to put everything they can against um against Italy and I, 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 I see them obviously I think they'll they'll win and they'll win quite comfortably. I think England will start strong. Um just talking about who who went back to win it or not. I, I, I do think Ireland I just I know the depth is there in England. I, I think the Irish depth is as is as strong probably when you look down numbers wise, obviously <clears throat> they've bigger playing pool but um, I just think with Ireland at the moment when you look at every position you know you could pick realistically two three good teams there you know so and that just drives competitiveness so um, I think from that point of view I think Ireland will, will hopefully win it out England um, yeah teams will always look to, to um, go at them in, in, in different ways you know and, and, and Italy did that last year and did it very smartly obviously that rule has changed so it will be interesting to see what uh, what teams, what coaches, and what plans they have um, to counteract uh, to counteract England. Well, Conor O'Shea was actually saying there uh, recently that there was talk of the Pro 14 came and uh, Pro 12 at the time came and said they were going to cut one of the teams if they didn't get their act together. So to see where they've gone in such a short space of time is brilliant. So uh, hopefully they put it up to England at the weekend. Yeah, and hopefully we see Ian McKinley at some point during the championship. Um, Pat, you were speaking to Will Greenwood this week and um, asking him about his choice of training gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he. Um, I think he's getting ready for this uh, this charity uh, event called the Wolf Run. I think with, with the likes of Mike Tindall and uh, and some of the other England boys. Like so, uh, I, I often see him because he's always putting up workout clips on uh, on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. So I, I, I did see he was in the IRFU singlet a couple of times, and that was my hard hitting question at the start: <laughs> Why, why, when, who are you wearing that? singlet for and uh, I got an unexpected answer uh, so I work for Canterbury mm. and I love stash <laughs> simple so as that I love different tops I've got Georgia top and they cut they, they sponsor uh, the Maroons they've origin tea 
clearly they'd gone to Ireland and um, I don't think uh, and yeah just a great piece of training kit it's what is it? So it's not a it's not a nod towards this year's Six Nations or anything like that, is it? Well, I, funny enough, I have um, tipped Ireland to win this year's Six Nations, but it, I wasn't wearing. It was just yeah, grab a grab a singlet off you go. You never know when you're going to put something on social media. Oh, I had an awesome session. Thought I'd stick something up and realise I had an Ireland top on. And you, yeah, you mentioned that because that's the, the I suppose the big focus now is the Six Nations, and um, yeah, I was kind of I didn't know that you had tipped Ireland, but um, you kind of think heading into the competition, they're you know maybe they're in the best shape. Uh, they are in great shape. You also look at who they're playing and when they're playing, where they're playing, mm. and go, why? How are they going to lose before they get stuck in them without putting pressure on them? With their organisation and structure, if France away at the opening game, I mean France always have the ability to do something, but that seems to be getting increasingly rare. Then they've got home games against Wales, Scotland, Italy. Tough, yes, but at the Aviva, you'd 100% back a team and a country that smashed everyone in the autumn and has two of the top four, the top seed and the third seed in the European Cup. Um, and then they travelled to Twickenham. And I think, uh, like, while I think England will beat them at Twickenham, I have this strange feeling that perhaps isn't born out of anything other than a gutted thing that currently England are vulnerable and might lose before they get to the final game. Yeah, yeah. It, it is shaping up. I, I know... Um... <laughs> And well, no, Wales are riddled at the moment, but Scotland are maybe hoping to stake a claim. But it does look like it could be an exciting final day, doesn't it? Ireland, England, uh, and St Patrick's Day as well. Yeah, oh, amazing. They're, they're, all roll, they're all rolling from Cheltenham <laughs> with bucketfuls of cash <laughs> uh, and star party. You was it? You had mentioned. I think I was reading a previous article, and you, you would really uh, flagged from the November series that Bundyaki's a guy you like the looks of, and looking forward to seeing again. You're probably coming up to the Six Nations. Is he one of the guys you think we should be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, certainly one of the guys who would be interesting. I mean, I don't know where Ringrose is with his injury. Yeah, he's uh, going to miss the first couple of rounds anyway. He's going to miss the first couple of rounds. And Shaw's absolutely nailed on. And who are the other options to go in the midfield that might be? I mean, you could look at a scan, but you may not go Scanlon. Yeah, Scanlon Henshaw could work, uh, but I'm pretty sure. Am I mild? Maybe it'd be Bundy and Henshaw, on it? Yeah, yeah. I suppose the other guy, you were, I think you were down at the Munster game at the weekend. The other option might be someone like Chris Farrell, who was playing cast at the weekend. Yes. Yeah, that, you know, some strong, strong options. Yeah. Strong yeah. options, but you sort of get the feeling that it would be. Uh, they, they might decide to bring Bundy off the bench for impact, but it'd be pretty exciting to see Sexton, Aki, Henshaw. You know, you look at like the looks of like Sexton, Henshaw, and, and Aki and stuff. But from yeah. an English perspective, or any other teams around, um, other guys you're looking forward to seeing playing in the championship? Uh, yeah, I hope Dumaru gets a run out, and Danny Priest, La Rochelle boys, that are like the one and mm. thirteen, get a run out for France. With uh, Wales, I look forward to seeing Aaron Shingle get some game time. I think he's top class. Uh, Scotland always enjoy play their back, but um, I think Johnny is developing to world class. And then you sort of look at the diminutive figure of Hamish Watson. Mm. Um, and uh, in which country have I missed out? Italy. 
Yeah, I suppose you, like, you've probably kept a, a hat, like an eye on some of the. They've been going well in the Pro 14 this year, I suppose, haven't they? So um, hopefully that they kind of. Right. They've had their moments in Europe, which are sort of eight third minute kick, trying to yeah. beat uh, for too long to beat them. They looked like they had the scar beaten at the Scarlets. And they, was it the in terms of England, they seem to be maybe up at Wales, one of the worst countries affected by injuries. It's uh, a lot of big names missing for them, isn't there? Um, yeah, it seems to be that sort of uh, that run. I mean, uh, if a country can survive that high number of injuries, obviously the advantage would be to the country that has the most amount of players available. And that would seem to be, in terms of player playing base, would be England. So um, it'll certainly test Eddie and his coaching staff to allow people to feel comfortable and seamlessly slot into international rugby. But um, every time this lot have had a question, tough question to answer, and 22 times out of 23, they seem to have got to the right number. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what was it, Eddie? Um, yeah, he's almost a lad who kind of brought it into the, the popular lexicon of finishers instead of substitutes, but the uh, the new one for this year seems to be apprentices as well. What, what do you think of the idea of, of calling in a couple of apprentices into the England squad? Uh, some of it's been uh, less through choice and necessity. Mm. And um, Eddie's Australian way is... If you're old enough, you're good enough. Yes, always been his way. And what do you think, Will, of the, uh, the likes of someone like Marcus Smith or something like that then as well? And I suppose having that kind of Quinn's connection as well. He looks like someone who's he'll be an interesting player to watch over the next few years. Yeah, yeah, he's top class. Yeah. Absolutely top class. Big fan of Marcus. Um, the, there's no question if he had to step in, he'd handle it exceptionally well. And what was, I suppose just the one I wanted to kind of leave you with, Will, was, um, you know, you've played Ireland a good few times over the years, uh, some massive battles there in the, in the noughties and stuff. Is there uh, any kind of big memory that stands out for you about all those games? Yeah, I mean, look, I always... The weird one was, uh, 04 losing at home was, you know, it's not the end of the world. We'd won the World Cup in November. Um, the team was slowly dismantling. We were all overweight and over and the best thing Clive would have done would have been to say thank you to all of us who were over 30 on November the 22nd and said great job lads but here come the next crowd in reality so I don't lose too much sleep about that one um, the one that would always you know always disappointing to lose in 01 mm. um, that would be that would be, a, that would be a frustration but I don't think you speak to all fishermen and they're always sad about the one that got away as opposed to celebrating the ones you won um, well, listen. Was it a, not, not to kind of bring it down on a downer, but it's, it's been it's been uh, good to chat to you and enjoy the uh, yeah enjoy the old wolf run there. And uh, no matter yeah, what they make nice you wear. One. Cheers, brother. The Hard Yards brought to you by Sports Joe. You're welcome back to the Hard Yards, Pat. You were on your bike this week to speak to Gary Ringrose. Was he in good form? Ah, oh, yeah. Well, considering he's he's cracked at the moment, he was in decent form. Um, went and chatted to him out of uh, PWC's offices. They're doing, uh, you know, all the sponsorship for the under twenties there uh, in the Six Nations. So, uh, Ringrose, he was the guy who first came to prominence in the under twenties with some amazing passes up and when they used to play up in Athlone. Hmm. Um, so yeah, he talked a little bit about that, and then also spoke about when he's hoping to get back. So I think he's targeting the Southern Kings game at the RDS the end of February. So if he can get in, play that. Maybe you know get that game under his belt. So, you know shows shows good in training. Should be back in the mix maybe for the the business end of the Six Nations. Yeah, the, the last time I was speaking to yourself, we were out in uh, Terranure. It was a lashing rain uh, day. You were showing guys oh, yeah, like to yeah, yeah. do some goal Sorry, kicks and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah, like it's funny the amount of stuff that has happened in that three or four months. Like you've got back to full fitness, made a comeback, doing well again, and then you're kind of currently on the sidelines at the moment. But yeah. you're saying you're hoping there's no set timeline, but you're hoping to be back soon enough. Yeah, but obviously it's it's not ideal coming back and, and re-injuring, but I guess it's it's how it goes. Unfortunately, it happens sometimes in, in rugby. Um, but yeah, thankfully it's it's not uh, as probably severe an injury is maybe have to deal with with the shoulders so it's mm. only a couple of weeks out um, and the procedure is pretty efficient that they do up in Santry there so things are going well um, I'm kind of looking forward to being back now in the next sort of couple of weeks. And what's the what, what was the kind of actual injury like is there a medical name for it? Then? Uh, you know it's just it? a syndesmosis the, so it's um, just twisting my ankle awkwardly mm. um, through just unlucky circumstances in the moment um, but thankfully the the surgery they do is pretty efficient and you're kind of good to go then straight away and kind of recover and st stabilize everything and hopefully yeah, back sooner rather than later. And you, you were saying we were chatting last that you're just a massive rugby fan as well and you have <laughs> your whole days planned so what's the plan for uh, this Saturday Six Nations kicks off have you got a plan? Yeah actually not, not quite yeah we were discussing it amongst my mates whether we get together and watch it in one of our houses or even just knock around and watch it with my family so I actually haven't Decided what I'm going to do. Yes, the, your um, your your brother we're saying is decent enough rugby player too. Is he's, he he's playing at UCD at the moment. So yeah, we'll see what he's at. Like, he might be watching with friends as well. So actually, I just haven't decided where I'm going to watch it. And, and we were seeing what was it uh, recently that uh, Paul O'Connell's got involved in the twenties. Stuart Lancaster apparently was doing a training session with yeah. him as well. Um, just kind of that squad's being named as well. What's kind of some of your standout memories from playing with the under twenties yourself? Is there a couple of things that? Yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to be included in the twenties when it was my time and got down to New Zealand the first year and then was for the Six Nations and then Italy the second year. So it's it is it's incredibly good fun. Or loads of fun at the time. Um, you meet new guys from other provinces and um, yeah, it's kind of the first taste of international rugby at, at the big stage and you're playing the day before the, the internationals or the senior are so it um yeah no it's pretty special to be a part of I've only good memories thinking back out them obviously didn't win anything unfortunately but it's good memories all the same. And is that your first kind of real experience of like maybe your phone blowing up or you're seen on TV make you know I think there was a couple of amazing passes you made playing um, up in that loan <laughs> at the time like is that the first experience you get of all of a sudden you're coming into national attention and your your people yeah, are ringing you and texting. Yeah, there is a little bit. It's the first time ever doing any sort of media stuff as well. Mm. So it's a learning curve on and off the pitch. But I think at that level and, and the coaches that are certainly there when I was there and the coaches that are there now will tell the lads that that doesn't really matter at the end of the day and to stick to the knitting and focus on focus on what's important really. And I think it's proved seeing some of the lads coming through even from the 20s last year and the year before that are now involved in the Six Nations squad that yeah, they've got their heads screwed on, right? Is there, is there, when you're talking about that doing media, is there a first interview you can remember given that, that stands out or...? I can't remember really, to be honest, <laughs> but it's the first time ever having to talk into media about before you play a game on the weekends. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, like that, it's fun, new experiences. Um, I'm sure even seeing Tommy O'Brien, in, in mm. who's named as the captain in here last week, so or two weeks ago, so I'd say it was new for him as well. Yeah, yeah. When, when I was chatting to, we, we had a chance to talk to Joey Carberry a few weeks back over in the RDS and uh, I made the mistake of um, saying to him that he was old news uh, in relation to Jordan Armour. But uh, are you kind of finding that now as well? Like it's kind of uh, not only yourself, because I was just kind of saying next big thing, then it's Joey, now it's Jordan. Are you kind of able to give him any advice on? <laughs> um, 
Jesus, I don't have to be any <laughs> advice. I can give him. It's pretty exciting watching him, just as as you find it, and, mm. and it's even more exciting playing alongside him. Um, so it's it's pretty cool seeing how well he's doing, progressing from twenties, and 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 now I've been doing incredibly well with Leinster, and hopefully he can. Yeah, do the same with on the international stage, and hopefully get some sort of involvement. Is that the type of thing that, like, the thing that, that people love about these the new lads who are coming through, and maybe someone like Rob Kearney in the past has kind of joked about, like, you know, I could do that as well. But like, everybody <laughs> gets excited because it's something new as well. But that maybe you guys aren't. Some people say train too much. Like you guys are playing off instinct as well. Is that the advantage that someone has who comes into the team at 20 or 21? Um, well, it's no doubt that Jordan has great instincts but like he is one of the hardest working guys there and he's probably one of the last guys off the training field doing all sorts of extras and then it's proven when he plays um, then on the weekend for Leinster so I'm sure nothing will change from his point of view he's pretty humble and I, I know he won't probably get distracted with any of else, anything else that's been said around him he knows kind of what works for him and, and he'll stick to the knitting as a saying and yeah so I can't really think of a better person really to be in the position he is. And you spoke about that, like being the last to leave and maybe kind of putting in the extras and stuff. Is that what this new generation are coming through? Where like I know I heard about James Ryan the morning he made his European debut, came in for extra training and, and drills and stuff like that on the lineout. So are these lads that are coming up? Would they even surprise you with the kind of the work that they're putting in behind the scenes? Uh, no, I, yeah. Well, sorry, I wouldn't use the word surprise, but it is great to see, and it's it's motivating. When I think Lancer is a good culture at the moment that everyone tries to work as hard as they can, and then seeing someone like Jordan come in this year and, and buy in straight away and and then even add to that as well so it's um yeah it comes as no surprise because i think it, it proves in the performances um, that he puts in the weekend and yeah so it's i'll be excited to get back playing with him hopefully at some stage and it's uh, often the last place you want to be but you sometimes look up in the stands in the Ordiester and some of these home games and it's just an array of international talents and lion stars <laughs> and stuff is it a strange feeling is there a good bit of good atmosphere when you boys are watching the sidelines and somebody else is tearing it up out on the pitch yeah definitely and I think what's, what's brilliant any successful club there has to be loads of competition and luckily at the moment now at Lancer there is certainly in the back line and the pack there's a ton of competition um, so when you're not playing I think everyone's goals are aligned at the end of the day to, to hope to be successful with Leinster and, and win a medal um, and that extends from if you're the starting team or the sorry what is there 60, 60 odd including the academy mm. members and I mean everyone gets some sort of involvement so even when there's guys out playing winning it's it's pretty fun to be excited and or sorry getting excited watching them do the do the business yeah. And what's it your um you had the experience of playing the French there last year. What, like the, you know, they come at you hard, don't they? Like, but yeah. um, just for what the boys might expect, there might be a few new faces. But like, what type of game do you think it's going to be at the weekend? Yeah, I'm not too sure. It's a little bit of the unknown um, with the new coach in, and there's some new personnel as well. Uh, so I'm actually not too sure to be honest. Um, it'll be a tough game as always against France, um, especially their home patch. Um, so the lads, I know from their point of view. They probably won't really think beyond that first game and, and trying to nail their roles and, and nail their or put their best performance forward over in, in Paris and then hopefully that can get the lads a win. And you were kind of even saying when we obviously spoke about maybe this game at the weekend, the Stade de France is still probably a, a place you'd love to kind of get out there in the future and play. <laughs> yeah. and kind of the mystique around it. Can you remember games from kind of growing up watching Ireland play? Yeah, there? no, it is. There's always some atmosphere in, in over in France and you can hear the air horns going and. The people roaring, and it is. It will be a pretty special feeling for the for the 23 that get to go out and play. Um, I'm sure, and 
yeah, just excited like you to, to see how the game goes. Um, we just spoke a little bit before. Um, we, we started here about someone like the work that someone like Jamie Heaslip puts in about kind of getting back to fitness. And there's another guy you are, and they're going to miss this weekend. Someone like Jared Payne. Yeah. You had a good relationship from, from being in the squad and playing with them. Would you stay in touch with those kind of guys? Are they, are they around much, or, they, or would they kind of recede into the background when they're injured? Kind of don't want to be involved too much. Uh, well, no. For, for obviously Jared's up in Ulster, so I probably mm. wouldn't be chatting to him as that much. Um, but I'd be. I mean, eager to see him back because he is such a quality player, and it was unlucky he didn't get to prove that. And when he was over on the Lions tour, um, so hopefully he's back sooner rather than later now. Um, and then as for Jamie, he's, I mean, he's we're incredibly lucky to have him at Leinster, and he sets the example for everyone. And even with the long-term injury he has, like because we were chit-chatting earlier, but mm. the, he's one of the best professionals I've ever met, and I mean, he's still even being injured still brings him. Incredible amount of positivity and energy to the group in the change room and, the tr and then even out to training. So, um, you know, someone, the fact that I've had to deal with injury, been able to, I mean, follow his examples, I'm pretty lucky to have someone like him, yeah. And we were talking to, uh, for the show this week, someone like Will Greenwood, and he was setting the scene that, um, you know, he thinks in his mind that could come down to Ireland and England on Paddy's Day. So, is that a motivation for yourself, you know, to get back in the next while and get, get a couple of games for Leinster, hopefully under your belt? And for you, you still want to get, get involved in this championship? Yeah, well, like, I'd be keep, obviously keeping one eye on the, the Six Nations. It's hard to hard to miss. And the inner fan will come out and be supporting the lads and wanting to see them do well. Um, but from my point of view, kind of the focus would be on getting back as soon as I can from the ankle and as strong as it, make it as strong as I can. And, and then just stick my hand up for selection for Leinster and then kind of go from there. Um, it's kind of what I'm yeah, worrying about most, is just trying to get back and play for Leinster because I have, unfortunately haven't got the chance to play that many times this year. But i um, be pretty excited now again to get a, a crack at the Leinster shirt and then kind of go from there. So maybe take Saturday off, enjoy the games and then get back <laughs> to work after that? Yeah, oh, well it's, it's an evening kick-off so I'll be able to get a bit of training done beforehand so won't be guilty watching it. Ever the professional, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm sure Jamie will be out training so I'll copy him. Perfect. Listen, cheers Jack, right? Thank you. Thanks cheers. very much. Great stuff there from Gary and Pat. Uh, James, do you think that Gary Ringrose will get a look in during the Six Nations? He is due back maybe halfway through if all goes to plan. He'll certainly be looked at. He'll have to play with Leinster, um, I would have thought. Got some game time under his belt, but certainly when you have a, a mercurial talent like that, you're not going to say, no, like we'll look at you after. Again, depending on how they go, but I think it's... Someone who'll be in and around the squad, regardless. I'm sure Joe will keep him up to speed with things. But I, yeah, I, he's got a chance. You know, like it's a long, it's a long old Six Nations. You know, there's a couple of breaks in between, so there's plenty of time mm, and plenty of injuries to potentially happen as well. Um, the well, right now we'll get into our final preview competition of the season. Um, so with the move to Monday comes the end to our long-running head-to-head. Uh, Pat has staged a heroic comeback in recent weeks. It's it's pretty well, well done. Hats off. Yeah, this Com is where we kind of just, the producer can just cue in some kind of heroic music there as well. Yeah. I'm sorry, how's it come to a head? It's like... It's, Jan oh, it's February now. It's February. Yeah. <laughs> but we won't be predicting games on Mondays, so... This is code for I've been told to shut it down, Jimmy. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so overall, 61-55. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to go triple points this week. It's only, it seems so fair. Just, <laughs> if you're smart, you go first, Pat. Yeah, exactly. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I, I believe we've called that a dick move in the, the past. The ruined PNR manoeuvre. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we should talk about that before the end of the show. 
Doherty. Um, the so Wales Scotland uh, Wales are two point favourites at home. I will take Scotland on that. Well, just to make this thing very interesting, I'm going to go Wales. Okay. And uh, yeah, and Hadley Parks to, to score score a try for him as well. Is, for, that, is that part of your? That's for a bonus points. points. Mm. Bonus point, yeah. Mm-hmm. The rules are changing bit by bit today. <laughs> uh, France versus Ireland. Ireland six point favourites. Uh, I will go with Ireland on that. Confident Paris. And um, just for the sake of um, just going for broke here, I'm going to go for France on that one. Oh, patriotism here from Pat. Italy, England. Uh, England, 20-point favourites in Italy. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm going with Italy. Don't feel good about it, but I really want the brains trust over there. Because hasn't Wayne Smith been doing something with mm. O'Shea? Yeah, I'm going to go with there's going to be something weird and crazy and beautiful happens over there. Brilliant. Well, this makes it good. So I'll go for England then as well. And, um, you know, see how the chariot gets on over there. Now that all the boys have miraculously recovered from their, their oh, big injuries. It's all have. or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's talk about the Ruan Pienaar thing. We were talking about it off air. Uh, so for anyone who didn't see it, it's, go look it up. Look up Ruan Pienaar, any video from last week. And what you will see is Montpellier playing away in Clermont. They, are, they score a try uh, in the second last minute. And they're, but they're, there's a, a good time, bit of time to go. There will be a kickoff in the game. They need the conversion to go ahead. So it's now 29-28 to Claremont with the conversion to come. And Ruben Pienaar puts the ball on the tee and takes a water bottle and has a look at the ref and has a look at the clock and has a look at the kick and countdown clock, which they have in games in France, and does nothing and he waits and I think it's brilliant and the crowd are going nuts Jimmy what did you think of this it's brilliant he used 86 seconds Uh, but they give him 90 seconds and they give him him a countdown so of course you're but to have the smarts and the wherewithal at that time of the game to actually that's game management just look in the corner and go look this is what we need to do Okay, we still have about what thirty seconds, maybe twenty seconds from the kickoff. We still have to take the kickoff, but it's pretty much only giving Claremont one shot, as yeah. opposed to a couple of minutes. You never know. Like so. the camera is going over to Vern Cotter on the sideline, and you know Vern would never show much in terms of a, a, a change, but you can say inside he's going, "Good man, real." Oh, completely, and you can see how frustrated the Claremont supporters were. They're going out to try and charge the kick from, and it's oh. under the posts. Oh. Uh, uh, Mike, that must have made news over there in France. What was the reaction to that it's a clever bit of clever bit of work yeah absolutely I thought it was genius stuff um, the rules are there so he used the, he used the clock he used it very smartly Tina called him uh, like Claremont as he said it was nearly the sport just when he couldn't come out and kick it so uh, <laughs> it was it was just smart smart play and uh, it was a great win in the end for them I suppose in in, uh, in Claremont and with Vern going back there and everything it was um, I suppose it was, a, it was a, a great day for him and for for, for Montpellier. And it was just, yeah, he, you know, the rule is there, and and he took full advantage of it, and he's totally uh, entitled to it. I know people were, were giving out, but you know, he's playing to rules and. Um, an experienced guy like that fair play to him yeah we were talking again it, it is the, the case that if you're the attacking team and you score and you need another score anyway you can refuse the conversion so maybe if mm-hmm. rugby says this isn't a good look because it did look weird they just say well the defending team they can accept the conversion and then they get an extra minute of player you know what I mean there, there are ways around this if they want to but I had to admire the heads up nature to be able to appreciate the game situation and the law book in the heat of battle away from home in a stadium like that 
and still super, knock it over at the end as well. Still not, yeah, well, that, that's the risk, isn't it? Yeah. You're, you're waiting and then you slip. Bar down. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, right, here's the question. So we put out a call on Twitter for our listener questions. Here's some of the best ones we got in. Use the hashtag AskTHY to ask a question next week. And Martin Heavey asks, the age old adage is, if they're good enough, they're old enough. So should James Ryan be thrown in the, at the deep end for the experience or introduced over time? What's the panel's consensus on the two opposing introductory methods? Well, we may have crossed that bridge because he played for Ireland before he played for Leinster. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is, in, in, in tight five terms, extraordinarily young uh, to be in the mix at all for starting Six Nations games, Jimmy. I mean, is this, it is unusual. It is, and especially from an Irish point of view, I think in the past we haven't really push the players through we kind of protect them there seems to be a, a protective cloak that we used to put around young players just to make sure they're not exposed and and even if they are involved they're not put up, put up for media or whatever yeah. and they're kept behind under wraps you know and they're really controlled the RFU controlled an awful lot of things so it's quite refreshing to see because you see I think the way the All Blacks do it Australia do it and throw them in and like I think we spoke about uh, James O'Connor before uh, Ioni comes to mind again like you know just put them in there see how they go why not like you know mm. and okay some people kind of see okay he hadn't played for Leinster he played more time for Ireland than he had for Leinster or he's played for Ireland wasn't it before he played for Leinster but yeah look if he's if he's good enough he's old enough put him in there and that's what we need to change um, give guys the chance if they're good enough if they're showing things get them involved he does have a lot of players involved I even saw this week um, Sammy Arnold's involved yeah, Arnold, in, yeah. in, in Irish camp be it for, for now or for a couple of years having these guys exposed to it and I think I'm sure I'm trying to think back as well Gordon Darcy was involved and he turned it down when he was in school to do the leaving uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'm trying to think is there someone else off the top of my head there but well, like Larmer even last year was was in training with them, and then yeah. Ringrose was in training a couple of years back as well. Like so, yeah, they introduced them, give them a taste of the camp, and that's being formalised in the England setup <coughs> now because they have them officially designated as apprentice mm. players. Whereas this is something that Joe Schmidt's been doing for a little while. But that's, I think, that's more to do with English policy in terms of if players are missing, um, they have to be kind of compensated, but uh, or a few, so they have to designate or they can't just go. Oh, we want him to train, but. Harlequins have a game Marcus Smith I presume we're talking about here like if mm. we have a game another team we, yeah, yeah exactly we have a game here and he's not going to train with England because, but now they have to go well actually we'll compensate you financially but I do think that look if they're good enough give them, give them a chance Like, but mm. they've been tra- I think the Irish system is actually quite interesting that you don't see that the Irish 20s will go up and train against the yeah. Irish team an awful lot it's not as if they're secluded and no one else is involved there's young guys going up there training against them bit of cannon fodder yes but so they're also exposed to the environment so if they ever are called up in the future it's not a oh wow you dropped in a deep end it's a it's a progression hmm. okay next one this is from Mr. O'Brien slightly related and it is literally called Mr. O'Brien yeah. um, the, are there any young guns across the Six Nations that will step up and stand out over the tournament uh, at the pub with a few mates before kick off and I'll say keep an eye on X today um, Mike we talked about Jalibert earlier on uh, that's probably the key one from the French side anyone else who you'll be really wanting to see light the place up I'm sure he's, he's a name that this Leinster people would be aware of as well when he played a pass last year as Dupont uh, the scrum half 
Um, he's a Toulouse, he's a fan of Toulouse this season. He's an outstanding running nine. He probably doesn't have the kicking aim and, and obviously the experience of, of Mastro. Um And then obviously you've got guys like Serranos also, who was, uh, who was their nine personally for the last uh, year, year and a half. Another really threatening running nine. But Dupont for me just got something. He's got something special. He's got complete X factor. He's a small boy, but he's a small guy, but he's extremely strong. Um, um, in the tackle, he, he's he's brilliant footwork. I remember seeing him seeing, seeing him score a try against uh, against Leinster in Cast uh, last year, um, and this year I suppose you look at Toulouse over the last couple of years, having been more well, especially last year the poor season. They brought in three or four players this year. He being one of them, and he's just changed exactly or completely how they play again. So he's definitely Anton Dupont. He's definitely one to, to keep an eye out for as well through the Six Nations. Any, yeah. any on your t- on your desk, Pat? Um, well, I'd be interested to see. Well, he's not a young young lad, but I'd be interested to see if James Davies gets a, a, a decent you know run of it. Run he's still uncapped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, my one would be Sam Simmons uh, for England. Oh, James not happy. Oh. <laughs> I've literally oh, just pointed can. to him and said, that's who I'm going for. And Pat's is coming with Sam Simmons. snakes it like front I was like, all right, well. Yeah, <laughs> I had Sam Simmons. But I think, so yeah. What, what, what are you looking If Sam Simmons on the pitch, what are you looking for from him? Just his power and energy he brings. You see how he's played for the Chiefs. He's a young guy. He's 23. Um, he's been knocking on the door for a while in such a, a competitive back row that... Mm that England have um, for him to kind of well, I think he's well, holding well now that the injury crisis is apparently a series of miracles according <laughs> yeah. to Eddie um, the back row is the only place where they're really they're badly hit right yeah. now um, and you know we all bleed for them uh, but losing Billy V and his backup in fairness even if you're England that's going to leave a few holes yeah, yeah but I still think that uh, Simmons can step up you're, you've Nathan Hughes there has gone out again similar to Billy uh, very powerful very destructive in what they do but just that, that work rate that you're going to get from Sam Simmons is mm. second to none and and he's been doing it consistently and he's 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 a big boy you know so yeah. look forward to it. he's only 23 uh, my one is um, Hugh Jones not a debutante by any means but he plays uh, in a market i.e. Scotland that won't get as much exposure as other places and there's a lot of people don't see a lot of Scotland he's a beautiful beautiful player lovely centre um, the way he runs and explodes onto the ball at angles is gorgeous to watch okay yeah. <laughs> when you mentioned Scotland, it's interesting though that they're going to play Hugh Jones at twelve you're now. Not, you're not really size. backing me up here in this one, Joe. Well, no, I do think he's good. I just don't think he's uh, he's shown it as of yet. Yeah. I, I do think the potential is there. Um, while you mentioned Scotland, uh, Ali Price as well. Um, I was going to say Ali Price. They've, they've a nice little run of uh, of scrum halves going through. Yeah, and, yeah. Pri- and even at Glasgow, Price, the, the lad who's come in from their seventh setup, Horn is a lovely player. George Horn, yeah, yeah, yeah Peter's brother, yeah, yeah, another good one. But Ali Price, just that energy he brings, and he's got a great camaraderie and on and off the field with Finn Russell. So I think uh, he's uh, he brings a good spark, and the way Gregor plays, he likes to let his nines have a little dart as well so. mm. but I think if you wanted to impress someone I'd think go with Mike's one just say Dupont just kind of drop that name in there before the game starts in the pub and you'll, yeah. be, you'll be flying or the nod to Jimmy get your pronunciation mm-hmm. right when you're talking French words yeah Delabert <laughs> 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 <Are> Dupont <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll leave it there right, before we go um, a Super Bowl prediction Pat 
Are the Patriots still there? They're, yes, the Patriots are playing. Yeah, Patriots all the way. Yeah, well done. Go Pats. <laughs> Is the Super Bowl big news in France, Mike? Not too big, actually, no. <laughs> uh, it's, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me the question, to be honest. I don't follow too much myself. Hand on, on this weekend. You, yeah, how about those Red Sox? Okay. Uh, make sure to ask, use the hashtag AskTHY if you want a question in for next week, and we will leave it there. Um, thanks to Pat, to James and Mike, to Alan Lachnan for producing, and Shane Dempsey was on sound. We will be back next Monday. So again, we're on Mondays uh, for the Six Nations anyway, with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud, and every good podcast app to get it straight to your phone. This has been The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGee. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next Monday. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe.